And now, making their way into the arena, hailing from the great pro wrestling state of Massachusetts, they are the hosts of the Top of the Cage podcast. Here are Bill and Juice. And thank you again, Rich Palladino, the voice of New England, always making us sound so good. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, it is I, I am Bill, joined always by my tag team partner, my wrestling confidant. He is the future booking genius and the prince of pro wrestling podcasts he is justin juice cannon boom boom baby juice this week it is just you and i we are doing a good old-fashioned classic episode of top of the cage this evening and i think that the first thing we want to get to tonight is something that's interesting. It's a quick little topic, just something on the roadmap to the future of wrestling in the near future. Uh, so why don't you take it away? We'll talk a little bit about New Japan stardom. Yeah, actually, to be honest, before we do that, I just wanted to shoot the shit real quick. I just saw uh, the movie Glass Onion with that has... You're probably why am I bringing this up now? I can just do this off camera. Well, Batista's in it, so it's wrestling related, kind of, sort of, not really, but he's in it. Glass, I just want to say that's good. Go see it. Uh, it's gonna be free in like a month because I mean, Netflix, well, not free, but it's gonna be on Netflix. But um, I want to see it in theaters. First Knives Out is like one of my favorite movies in the past couple of years. I'm a big sucker for like mystery like murder mystery movies like clue mm-hmm. stuff because clues like my all-time favorite board game and like it that the first clue movie is one of like my all-time favorites too and you give me a murder mystery movie i'm gonna watch it then you put batista in it i'm gonna double watch it yeah uh watch that batista's characters uh, it's it's not the character i thought he was gonna be it was pretty Oh, this is a really unique character. But see that. All right. Sorry for getting off topic. I just wanted to say that. Glass Onion. What an interesting name. Yeah, Glass Onion and Knife's Out Tail. Because they're going to make like a whole franchise around it on Netflix. Ah, I gotcha. Okay. Mm-hmm. Around the detective Daniel Craig's character. Benoit Blanc. And, you know, it'll probably be like a different collection of celebrities. Yeah. All right. Back to uh, real wrestling. Uh, wrestling. Well, that's not wrestling at all. Back to wrestling. The road to Wrestle Kingdom is upon us. The card is already unfolding, which I love. I love that they're big. Like, it's still two months away, a little under two months. And what, they already have like seven matches or so announced. Um, and a lot of them bangers. I mean, we've, we've seen Jay White versus Okada before. That's one of the night's main events. But, um, Still gonna be a banger either way, and usually, usually Okada's the champ in that situation, not White. So I think that'll be a great match in their ever go their ongoing saga, which I feel like is coming to a close because I feel like Jay White is gonna be wrestling in the U.S. full time sooner rather than later. If it's AEW, if it's WWE, who knows? But I think his time. As New Japan's top draw is coming to close, and soon he'll be a big draw over here. But, you know, that's what everyone's been saying for quite a few years. Uh, other news for New Japan, Kenny Omega versus Will Ospreay. That's the match. Um, Osprey, Osprey. I always say Osprey, but I know it's like Osprey. Um, that match has been announced. That's been... The build for that, they've been building it not just New Japan, but using AW, the Forbidden Door, all these, like... Be even BTE at times, little, little hints and stuff, really building it. And um really excited for that. That's going to be this technical masterpiece. It's going to be two great personalities too, especially in New Japan. And I love Kenny Omega's New Japan character. I wasn't that really familiar with it at all before he signed AEW. And then, you know, I started like looking more into the sweeper watching his matches, seeing his promos. And I'm like, damn, he's, he was just, I, I get why there's so much hype around this guy coming to AW. And I think he's backed it up. I love Kenny. 
And that promo he did, New Japan put out like a, on Instagram and social media of him just speaking like Japanese. And oh, it was just so good. Like, I love, I think I was able to connect with it more because every culture has different um, cadences and way they speak and how they deliver things. And seeing like a, seeing like a, Japanese superstar do a promo and read the subtitles. It's a little different in their delivery than when a Kenny Omega does it. Kenny Omega's just his cadences and his delivery of the things were during that promo were just so good. And just like I, sh- I had goosebumps. I was like, oh, this is just fire. I, I, w- I want more of this in uh, AEW, to be honest. I know like it wouldn't make much sense. Like mo- there's not many people that upper cards that are Japanese that could do Japanese promo against, but there are people that came from New Japan. They could. Um, I, I liked it. I loved it. Him sitting in the chair, the way they shot it. And then him speaking English at the end. It was uh, one, it, it so far. I think that's my favorite promo of the year. And I, I know that's a bold take, especially MGF kept topping himself like week after week after week, ever since he came back. I'm a devil worshiper, man. I do. I love MGF. And he's he's definitely had uh, probably second, third, fourth, fifth best promo. <laughs> but that Kenny thing, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. It just hit me really hard. I was like, this guy is making this a special match already. And then last New Japan takeaway before I let you talk is uh, Kairi Sane is the first IWGP women's champ. She'll be having a match. I'm excited. She was. One of my, when I got back in wrestling, one of the people I really gravitated to right away was her. I think she was the first woman wrestler I really gravitated to, even before Bailey. It was really Kyrie Sane and EO. And um, EO, I still like, but not as much as anymore. Kyrie, when she was released, I mean, when she left the company, uh, that crushed me, man. And how she was booked, I was like, no, she's so good. I'm like, she can be like, she has a charisma level of Oscar and that tag team. I really liked, I felt like that could have been better book too, but that's, that's all. That's all for me for our new Japan little mini segment. First things first, you called Kenny mega the sweeper. He is the cleaner. I think I just get confused. Cause he always has the broom on AW. <laughs> yeah. Again, he's the cleaner. Regardless, I won't take that away from you because I completely agree with you. That promo was really cool. I really like the Japanese speaking. It just gives a different flair, different flavor to American wrestlers in Japan wrestling. The second thing I wanted to say, and is news that I think broke today. Today is uh, Wednesday the 23rd. Uh, Carl Anderson is going to be returning to New Japan, and him and Doc Gallows are going to be working the World Tag League slash Super Junior Tag League finals on Wednesday, December 14th. But there's rumors that that is not going to be the last time that Carl Anderson will be in New Japan Pro Wrestling because Sean Rossep is reporting that Carl Anderson likely will be fighting at Wrestle Kingdom for his New Japan Pro Wrestling Never Openweight Championship. Now, I've been seeing a lot of people speculating that Tama is going to be the one that he's going to be facing and probably dropping it to. And I don't follow New Japan very heavily, but from what I've been seeing and reading, that makes sense. I don't know if you can attest to that at all. Mm, Yeah, it makes sense. I know, like, they're obviously um, the G.O.D., the Tonga Brothers, are feuding with the Bullet Club. So, yeah, that would make a lot of sense. Ever since Jay White betrayed them on, I think it was like on Impact, they did the betrayal. And they've been playing in that New Japan, too. So, yeah, I think that would make the most sense for one of the Tonga brothers to be the one to dethrone him. And I'm pretty sure Tamba, Tama has been getting a massive push as a single star recently. I think um, I think during a G1 Climax, he was one of the final four, I think. You know, uh, if you're listening, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure Tama was the one. I, I know it's one of them. It's one of the brothers that was in the final four and did really well in the G1 climax and has been pushed a lot as single star and 95% sure it's Tama. Well, regardless, if that is going to be true, that means that Wrestle Kingdom will have representation from AW, WWE, Stardom, Ring of Honor, and New Japan Pro Wrestling. That is wild. 
Yeah, I mean, to be fair, they are they usually do have a stardom showcase match since they own stardom, anyways. <laughs> but, I think um, it's just yeah. more more talking about it being a forbidden door sort of scenario. Um, yeah, I, I guess it could be forbidden door still in the sense that this is the first ever uh, IWGP women's champion and not just stardom. Very in true. That sense. Very true. So yeah, I, I that was news that broke today. Um, I like I said, I wasn't sure if you had heard that or not. I definitely want to make sure we brought it up since we were talking about it. And I think it's interesting. And hopefully, Carl Anderson actually drops that championship because uh, I think it's a little strange. Definitely a weird situation, but I'm sure it'll all get resolved in due time. I don't want him to because I kind of want like I kind of just want like a couple days after Russell Kennan, he wins at Shocks World. People are like, what's happening? What's happening? And like Triple H goes on per, like a media call and has a press conference. And, and then we see like the New Japan like ownership come through the door too. And they're like, yeah, we're we're going to be collaborating at least a co- for a little while concerning never open weight. And you'll see New Japan stars on WWE. I know that's probably not going to happen. I don't I know. know. The rumor the rumor mill is saying that it's opening the door for AJ Styles to go back too. And we are seeing Shinsuke fight in Great Muda. So yeah, I mean, I hope there is something brewing there because that's a collaboration. I'm n- not taking away from Provision Door and AW and New Japan. That's been pretty great. And seeing my boy Ishii pop up all the time in AW TVs made me very happy. But I really want a New Japan and WWE collaboration. Well. I think that that's a great transition into our second topic of the night. And of course we cannot talk about the past week of wrestling. If we do not talk about AEW's full gear where juice, finally our prayers have been answered and the devil himself, Maxwell Jacob Friedman is your AEW world champion. Great move. Loved it. The finish I'm I, I don't know if I like the finish, I'll be honest, mainly because I don't want to see the Blackpool Combat Club die so quickly. I, I, I do think they have a shelf life. My only concern is just what happens to Wheeler, uh, just because I think Wheeler's a great talent. And I feel like the Blackpool Combat Club has given him a lot of strength in terms of having numbers on his side and having great partners and great people on his side. And it also has given him, not want to say a crutch, but it's giving him some help on the promo side by having Regal and all those other guys be able to talk while he's involved in some sort of match or segment. So that's my only concern about that right now. I think Mox, Brian, and uh, Claudio are all good to go on their own. I'm sure Mox is probably going to be taking off some time now because I know that there was rumors before the whole media scrum thing that Mox was scheduled to take time off. And then he took the reins as being the AEW world champion because Mox is the fucking GOAT. But I hope that he enjoys his time off if he does choose to take it. And I am very happy to see MJF as our AEW world champion. The match didn't hit me as I think I was like, maybe I was expecting a little too much. Uh, you know, I'm not the biggest Mox guy, but it was still a good match. The finish, I didn't, I didn't hate it. I, I, I'm worried about Blackpool Combat Club as much as you are. With Mox going away, William Regal, the main mouthpiece, going to MGF side. Uh, it's just weird. And um, I don't know. It, it seems weird for MGF to like split from the firm just to go to William Regal. Uh, I would have liked to see Stokely being the manager of the world champ. Uh, it, but, you know, they wanted to make it seem like, oh, are they turning him baby face? They really want it because they knew that the crowd would be behind him. And um, I know a lot of people are insulting it and being like, it, it doesn't make sense. He's a heel. What are you going to do? I knew he was going to do something in the match. And I kind of liked the build. I think the only, the only thing I didn't like about it was taking Stokely away from him. But you don't need two guys that are masters on the mouthpiece together. Which, I mean, we I guess we still have that because we're equals with them now. Uh, yeah, it's confusing, but, you know, it's good. It was a good show. It wasn't my favorite um, AW show, but it wasn't a bad one. I, I think I was into almost every match. I think the match that I had the least interest, interest in was the tag title match. And the only reason is because it was a trilogy, and I knew it was really only the split Keith Lee and Swerve, and that was the only reason we're really having the match. 
and it was actually really good. It was a great match, and I expected it to be good. Like, I wanted, I'm like, yeah, I can miss the beginning of the match, get like popcorn in the bathroom, but I do want to watch most of the match because I'm curious what they do specifically. Because you know, I'm a big swerve supporter, I think that's a guy you can put a world title on. Keith Lee, everyone thinks that too. Like, same, and then the acclaimed. They're just fun and fresh, and they're a great tag team that I think Tony knows as well. The fans know that they need a long reign because they just keep doing these fun, creative segments and having great matches and telling great stories. And uh, Billy Gunn's there, and Billy Gunn's fun. Uh, it's just a lot of fun stuff going on with the claims. So you keep riding that. You keep riding that train as long as you can. Soraya Britt Baker match. Um, that uh that was a match yeah it was a solid return i was just it was really cringy because the as soon as they start like page like i think they expected that spot where she's like falling can't get up and she's like coloring neck and she's like wobbly i think they expect that to be like dramatic and like a big storytelling spot but in reality the crowd was hushed because they were terrified and the people watching were on twitter like what what is this shit like don't do that that's I think it didn't connect the way they were expecting it to. I think they were expecting us to like rat as soon as she like got to her and like, oh, she's just fucking with us. Everyone be like, yeah, yeah, Paige, yeah, she's healthy, whatever. But no, we were just like, don't do, don't scare the shit out of us like that. And then they keep doing it through the match. Like, I'm not saying don't sell the neck thing. You, you got to work it. And I'm just saying they laid it way too thick, way too thick and too much and uh too much is it, it was just it just stressed me out i was watching a match and i think that's why i'm just like it's an okay match because they told a story but the story just stressed me the fuck out <laughs> like i said it, it was a match um definitely cool to see uh soraya back in the ring though and like the moment after where she was hugging her brother also cool you know like i'm, I'm sure for the whole family that was a big deal and um I, I think the story was good enough going into it and the match told a good enough story, but I'm curious to see what happens now. Then um, we can get into the women's title match where we now have a new women's champion as well. And I've been saying for a while, Juice, it's Jamie Hayter's time. And that time is now upon us. Uh, yeah. Um, Storm's reign was quick, but uh, hey, you know, we all knew Hater was probably gonna win. Well, not all of us, because I I was on like there's this like Johnny Gargano Discord group and they do like polls, and um they they showed like the result. People vote on it, and a lot of people vote on it, and um it's like sixty percent of the people thought Tony Storm was gonna win. So I guess not. I I thought it was pretty. I thought it was just a takeaway. Like I thought it was pretty clear that Jamie was gonna walk out the champ, because I feel like when Tony when the crowd is as behind someone as they are jamie or they claimed tony gives the crowd what they want pretty quickly and if he doesn't do it quickly it's guaranteed it's gonna happen at some point on a big stage especially full gear like i think full gear is the pay-per-view where the people we've been waiting to get be a champion get their uh reward they get they get their moment if not get champion they just get a win a big match that really just puts in mind that yeah tony's finally pushing them like full gear is my mind the biggest their biggest pay-per-view it's the one that feels the biggest to me so far i think they tried to do a double nothing but i think full full gear is more so what it's been it was a good match though that was my favorite three women's match i think it's pretty clear i think that's what everyone kind of thinks jamie hater is a great wrestler uh i'm curious what her reign's gonna look like how long it's gonna be i mean you you know me i'm I'm not the biggest fan of the women's division AW. I, there's really one, only one person I really rally behind, and that's Serena Deeb. <laughs> but um, you know, uh, I'll watch it. It was a great match. Jamie Hader can go out there and put bangers. Her physical style is really fun, and that that's my type of wrestler. Physical, stiff style. Uh, that British strong style really appeals to me a lot. So, yeah, uh, I'm on board for the matches and what we got in store for that. And I do eventually want her and Britt to have that match. And we know it's coming soon, eventually. Yep. And I guess we can transition that into the TBS championship match. Jade Cargill overcame Nyla Rose. 
again, another match. I think that was a pretty typical Jade Cargo match with Nyla Rose. I thought that that was a good match, though. I've, I've heard a lot of positive reaction um, in terms of how Jade was handled in that match. Um, people were saying that might be her best match yet. Uh, I don't know how you feel about that, but. I do, and I don't. I think that's a match. I, I like Nyla Rose, um, and I think she definitely brought out more out jade than other people have but there's just i feel like it's a match that also exposed jade for not fully understanding the business yet and really not being fully ready to be put in the spot i like jade i I took pictures jade i like jade she's great personality good charisma really great athlete i really like her finisher but there's a spot, there's a video, I don't know if you've seen it, but um, when she was, one of Nyla's signature moves that like leg drop off the, the, the rope, like the, her opponent's like hanging off the rope and she does that like uh, leg drop on the neck. Um, during that spot, Jade, Jade, um, Jade like just, she like fixes her wedgie. <laughs> so she's quickly not selling it. <laughs> and then like, and then pretends to sell. And then, uh she counters it something shortly after and she like she like clearly just takes a breath and just stands there um that's things like that i know it's that's little and it sounds stupid but and i know it can be exhausting especially when you're versing someone that is bigger and like harder the suplex and stuff like that like nyla and uh also her gear was very extravagant and like you know that's something anyone would get wedgie wedgie on. Like I, I, I didn't have issue with her fixing the wedgie. Like I would too, just not that spot. I would have waited until after she got hit with the drop or countered it, or like I would have waited until you're on the ground, or like right after you kick out of a pin, then do it. Just, just think about it a little more because you're being observed and people like. You know that nerd, that Twitter trolls and the nerdy boys like me that need to point this out are going to point it out. So just be prepared. But um, yeah, I mean the streak continues. I still like Jade. That's just one little thing. I think, and that's not the only time that nuances and these little things and have gone away from her. And she's still learning. And yeah, um, that's just why I want to say about that match. And of course, all the uh, nerdy Twitter boys are going to be looking at her butt the whole time too. So that's just an FYI. She knew though. She definitely knew. Uh, just kind of transitioning this. I don't know how the fuck I'm going to do it after that, but uh, seeing and Darby Allen took on Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. I'm going to be honest. I watched zero of this match and I've heard zero of it. Uh, I watched it um, because I always want to see how Sting, the old man is going to hurt himself <laughs> and hurt himself. But like what, crazy spot of him jumping off something and him just being perfectly fine is going to happen uh, of course that happened and and then i get like a bleacher report update i'm like do i really need a bleacher report update about sting jumping up the, the uh the banister i mean the rail um you know it was it was an entertaining enough match like i didn't i thought it was a good it was towards the end of the card it kind of actually honestly because I was starting to get really tired, not bored. I was just tired. It's a really long pay-per-view, a long day. And that actually kind of woke me up because it's just fast paced. It's no DQ. Um, I thought really well. I thought I always critique Tony for his booking at times, like placement matches and um, certain decisions. But I actually like the placement of that toward the end. I think if you asked me that before the pay-per-view, I would have said, no, that should be in the beginning. But uh like I said, it woke me up because it was just a little action-packed. It wasn't an amazing match, no, but um, it was fast-paced. It was funny. It had a, a lot. It was a spot fest, and that's what it should be. And it was funny. It was entertaining. It did its job. It made me ready for the rest of the card. I am not looking at, like, the card. I'm just, like, reading off the card list, match list, as we're going down. And, like, there's 10 matches on this card list. That's kind that's a lot. Like considering Survivor Series this upcoming Saturday is only what five. And I know it's two war games matches, so it's automatically two half an hour matches, but like don't forget there are two matches on zero hour. So really three, actually. Oh yeah, three. I forgot about one. 
So uh, let's move into then the steel cage match between Jungle Boy Jack Perry and Luchasaurus. Jungle Boy Jack Perry coming out on top on this one. Again, honestly didn't watch this match. Haven't heard much about it. I don't even know who won. Well, Jungle Boy won. <laughs> I, I feel like that's definitely the obvious, but yeah, I didn't even know who won. That's funny. Um, it was the opener. It was pretty good. Uh, you know, it's a long storyline. Um, I do like the long storylines, but I kind of just want Jungle Boy and Christian to get back at it. I know Christian's hurt, and Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy eventually had to have a you know blow off match. It was, I think, my complaint with it just shows that AW their talent. I think they don't use blood right. I remember back in the day. If Edge and Mick Foley are wrestling or Triple H and Shawn Michaels, yeah, there'd be masked crimson masks. But with those crimson masks, do they usually come out uh, two and a half minutes into the match? No, they don't. It, it's told. It's it's later. It's a war, and then and then those develop. <laughs> Jungle Boy opened up in three minutes into the match, and I'm like, okay, so you made a paper. That's all that shows me. And also, that's a big critique of Mox because Mox faces a jobber like me lee moriarty as one who has won what one match on tv and he opens up in three minutes in that and a team match i don't know just their use of blood i think that that match jungle boy and luchadoras just reminded me of that not reminded me just make me just laugh at that and just focus on that and the actual action in the match it wasn't a bad match like uh it was entertaining it was a it was a decent opener it's just not like a it's, it's not that memorable. Like, I can't really remember that many spots in it besides Jungle Boy leaking like a faucet three minutes into the match. One match that I hope that you have some memories of is the TNT Championship match. Wardlow, Samoa Joe, and Powerhouse Hobbs. And our boy Samoa Joe is a double champion within AEW. Personally, you know me. I'm a Wardlow, Mark. I don't think Joe needs it. But at the same time, I'm not that upset with it. I would rather see Wardlow get built up a little bit, but it does free up Wardlow to face a certain new champion. Just saying. It does, but the look that Hobbs and Wardlow shared after the match made me seem like it made it seem like they're not done. And they're gonna, I think at um uh winter's coming that's the next special um i think that's that's going to be the match hobbs versus wardlow finish that feud i was surprised that joe was going to win i thought they were going to put hobbs over and then at winter coming hobbs would defend the belt against wardlow and then you know wardlow would move on to the world title or even the ring honor world title for samoa joe i actually thought that was more likely first because maybe like they want MJF to keep a while and keep MJF and Wardlow away, but then M- but Wardlow still fights for a world title. Uh, no, not TV title is what Joe has, but I thought Wardlow would go to Chris Jericho. That's what- yeah, it was a good it was a good match. I I was really excited for it. I just wish it was longer. I think that was my complaint because that was good. I was into it. Um, there are three guys I really like. Uh, Wardlow, Hobbs, especially Joe. Joe's one of my all time favorites. Joe's the man. I was surprised that he's double about Joe, but um, I love it. And I, I hope that he, a world, AW world title is in his future before he retires. Cause I think that's a guy that deserves a world title more than any other wrestler on the planet. I do like that. We'll see him on TV more to stay healthy and curious who he feuds next. If, if Hobbs and Wardlow facing on just one-on-one next. What's next for Joe? Well, I am not too sure about that. But what I am sure about is a man that you mentioned earlier. And Chris Jericho is still the Ring of Honor world champion, defending the title against Claudio Castagnoli, Brian Danielson, and Sammy Guevara. Uh, what do you think of this match? I was surprised he won. I thought Brian Danielson was going to win. I I thought him or I I don't know why I thought Sammy had like a little bit of a chance, but I I thought Danielson was the person we'd see walking out. Yeah, I think if I'm putting in order of chance, I thought Danielson, Sammy, Chris, and then Claudio. Um, it was fun. I actually really liked the match. It was one of the ones I liked the most. Field four was just fast paced, and their guy, all four guys, I'm really fans of different styles. 
Zab clashes. Um, I don't know what it is about, like, I know they're kind of goofy spots, but I love them anyways, but double submission spots when two guys are doing a submission one, dude. I don't know why. I know they're goofy. I know you really got to suspend your belief for them, which is a big part of wrestling, but I just love them. I'm a sucker for them. I don't know why. <laughs> Especially when Danielson is one of the guys doing submissions. <laughs> yeah. Good match. Yeah, I thought that was a good match, too. And to round it out, uh, we will talk about uh, what a lot of people are saying is is one of the best matches from this card. And in my opinion, we at least saw the best entrance on this card uh, with the Bucks and Kenny coming out to carry on my wayward son, which was unexpected, but also pretty fucking cool. Uh, the Death Triangle overcame the Elite, and we are also now going to be getting a best of seven series with these two teams, which... It's just going to bang after bang after bang after bang after bang after bang. I think that was six bangs. So I, I'm excited to see that moving forward. We also got some fuck CM Punk chance during this match that also made BTE this week, which also made me laugh. I think that it was good, though, that they didn't just put the titles right back on the elite. Uh, I think that Death Triangle has been doing very well holding these titles, and I didn't think it was necessarily time for them to lose them. But overall, another fun match, uh, some flippy boy action, some hard hitting action. And uh, I'm excited to see what these two teams do moving forward. Hopefully, like the seven series, we get some like stipulation matches or just kind of other fun things go on. And it's not just the same match seven times. I think these are definitely people that, that mix it up. I mean, we've seen Lucha Bros and Young Bucks. That, that is a tag team. That is a staple rivalry of AEW. They go back to all the time. I mean, when they first, before they were on TV, they like wrestled three papers in a row. They would trade the AAA tag titles. The Young Bucks reign ended at the hands of Lucha Bros for the AW tag titles. Um, it's, it's a rivalry we're going to keep seeing as long as they're both the company. And Pack and Kenny also have history too in AW. So, yeah, I'm excited for it. And I, I think they'll definitely keep it fresh. And, um, I think seven match series aren't done enough. I I don't don't I don't don't overdo it. But I really like the Cesaro Sheamus one, and there's so many others in the past too. And um, I think this one is going to be really fun. I really look forward to it, and I don't mind if they're going back and forth with titles and like. But I don't know. I mean, I know, like every every match the title is going to be on the line, right? <laughs> like that's how that works. <laughs> I don't remember the exact details of it. I know it's, you know, for seven weeks straight, and we're going to see him on uh, normal episodes, Winter Coming. I know New Year's Smash is going to have one. And I think one other, like, special episode is going to have it, too. Yeah, so the current slate of the matches uh, is um the first match happened at full gear second match is happening at thanksgiving eve third match is just on a normal dynamite fourth is at winter's coming fifth is at holiday bath sixth is at new year's smash and seventh if necessary is going to be at another regular dynamite okay um, and it doesn't necessarily say if they're always going to be for the title i'm just reading into this now I didn't know if that I, I thought it meant that whoever won the series Would was going to be getting to titles. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe it won't be like uh, it's just, you know, overall record. Yeah. It just says a best of seven series for the world trios championship. Yeah. I, I probably imagine the person, the fourth win gets the title. Um, the first to four. Uh, I mean, that's how seven works. Best of seven series work. Okay. That makes sense. I think I'd more down for that than if they just traded belts every paper, every event. <laughs> yeah, that would be pretty dumb, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, as long as the winner loses to Orange Cassidy and Trent and Chuck, I'm okay. <laughs> just kidding. Or if they lose to uh, House of Black, that'd also be pretty cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm down for that more because House of Black's vignettes have been pretty sick. I think the only reason I said... Orange Cassie and the, the best friends is because the best friends deserve a title, man. They work. They've been here since day one. They work their ass off. They put underrated matches. 
Uh, Trent and Chuck deserve a prize. They deserve either the normal tag titles or the trios tag titles. Uh, I know Orange got reward for his hard work with the Atlantic, but now reward the other best friend boys, dude. They deserve it too. Agreed. They got some good shops. I really do like them. And since they had a match on the pre-show, I think that that leads us into another good topic about uh, the AEW Elimination Tournament to see who will be fighting the world champion. We are officially in the final season of this tournament. The winner is going to be decided later this week, which we are talking before it happens, so we don't know who happens to win it yet. And we are going to see Ethan Page versus Ricky Starks in a match that I think is going to absolutely fuck. That match is going to go so fucking hard. Both those guys are going to deliver because they're going to be on such a big stage for such a big win. And if I, I, I am going to say if Ricky Starks doesn't win, I'm going to riot, but like I could see either of these guys winning, but you brought up a really good point, which is the topic discussion here. They're probably not going to win because there's no way MJF's going to lose a title in like a month or two months, whenever the match happens. Because A, he's MJF, and B, it's so soon. Yeah, I think Winter's coming. They, they said this is the, the day of the match, and that's usually how they do it. Like, Winter's coming is when the the winner of the tournament faces the champ. And yeah, whoever, both, both guys are on a huge upward trajectory, getting pushed to the moon, as they should. Ricky is a stud. We, we talk him up all the time. Ethan Page. A uh, guy I've been corner for a while. I mean, when he debuted on Revolution, I remember I told you and our friend Kyle when we were watching it, I'm like, I'm so happy. This is huge. This is a good one of my favorite signings so far. Um, big Ethan Page guy. And he's finally really getting that push. I think that's probably a big reason why MGF got pushed from the firm because they want to focus on pushing e- Ethan because even though Ethan doesn't need a mouthpiece, I think giving him a staple and making him a big, big piece is important. And this is the way to do that and push him at the same time. Um, yeah, I think what's what's next for the winner? I think Ethan is easy. You can still put him in a title feud. I think there's ways, other titles out there that he can just, the firm can weasel him into. I think it's tough because a lot of heels have titles right now. But um I guess, you know, working in a triple threat that way, like, or Stokely works his magic, maybe like, I don't know, screwing over Samoa or Samoa getting distracted by one, like a Wardlow and then Ethan kind of plucking the title and then Samoa Joe not caring about Ethan Page because, you know, someone else screwed him the title or something like that. Uh, I think there's a lot to do with Ethan Page. Ricky is a little trickier, which is weird. Well, actually, I don't know if he is because like I said, Lots of heel champs, lots of heel champs. And Ricky is, I, I think at this point, you can say he's the top baby face in the company with Hangman not really being in the picture. Mox about to go off TV or, you know, that's reportedly the deal. Uh, Punk is gone, well, you know, probably gone. Kenny is in the trios picture right now. So I, I say Ricky is that top baby face right now. Um, so maybe, uh, maybe really lengthen this feud with MJF out, maybe not just one match or two, or maybe like you make a trilogy and you think that Ricky's going to lose it. Cause well, MJF's not going to lose so quickly, but maybe you just, you know, surprise everyone. Cause I don't think, even though I think people will be split on MJF losing, I think, cause Ricky's really popular too. I, I, I think they, they're both guys I'd love to see world title with. I want MJF to have a long reign. I like MJF more. But if Ricky did beat him, I'd be annoyed. I wouldn't be mad. Because Ricky, uh, his promos in this tournament so far and just the Hobbs feud, I'm like, this is how you be a babyface. This is how you do it. But I know babyfaces always get stalled when they get the title. So even though I'd be okay with him winning the title, I kind of want to keep away with it and do feuds that aren't title-based for a while because I think that's a better way to build them as your babyface star. And then 
it gives you time to figure out how it would work if he has the title. Cause I think that's always the issue. That was the issue with Hangman. That's the issue with Mox. It's always the issue. Any babyface champion in any company. Once they get it, what do you do next? Um, and then you know, if you keep watching Starks away from the title for a little while, you don't have to worry about that. Yeah, I, I have no idea what's next for either of them, to be honest. And I, I think your booking decisions are kind of paths that either can take is, is really good but to call ricky like the top baby face in the company it's so interesting because i feel like at the same time he's still so like underrated underutilized in a sense you know i feel like the tournament is like helping him out a lot but it's just so weird like because you say it like who else is really like the baby face right now because like danielson's kind of a tweener claudio i guess could be but like i, I feel like it's, I think he's underrated too. I don't think, he's, I think right. he's underutilized as well. Right. So it's just like, hmm, who who is that person? Because I guess you got Wardlow too, but like Wardlow did just come off a championship loss. So he's probably going to go ham with somebody else. So yeah, I I've, I think that's pretty viable. All those are, are viable uh, scenarios and options. But yeah, I, I think that I don't think either of these guys, whoever wins going to, be the world champion the aw world champion but i could see them going after something like a ring of honor title or even the tnt championship after this ricky versus chris jericho man i that, like that that would be great that not even the just the match itself like uh, the match itself would be pretty good it would be tell a pretty good story i don't think it would be like a faster classic but be really good I, i'm more interested in the build i'm more interested in the promos <laughs> that's what i'm interested in in that mm-hmm. feud and uh, I think Ricky is running on our world champion would be cool. And that would be something I'd be more okay with because I, I feel that's a world title that um, I don't really care if it stalls too much since it's not really on TV that much. And like, I mean, well, it is, but it's not like a big, it's not as big a surprise because they don't have a weekly TV show. And it's more about just putting guys over, making guys seem important that are important that should, but they don't have a top prize like a Jericho keeping Jericho relevant and really elevating the ring on our title where they, you know, move it on. Um, So, yeah, I mean, like I said, I'd rather Ricky not be in the world title picture. I mean, after he loses MJF, if he loses MJF, who knows? Maybe he wins. (laughs) He's not going to win, but um, (laughs) maybe. And that brings us juice to the last topic of the night. We haven't done one of these in a while, and it is a push job release PJR. And I think that you have brought three names to the table tonight that are really interesting. So for those of you, again, since we haven't done one in a while, if you don't know what PJR is, uh, we pick three guys. It is our version of the FMK game where we choose one to go to the tippity top of our company. They're getting pushed. They're becoming a champion. They're doing everything. Uh, One is getting job. And when we say job, we don't necessarily mean that they're just going to lose every match. We mean that they're just like mid card. They don't really cross that threshold of being upper card and release. That means that they are just not going to be within our company. We are wishing them farewell and they are going to go find success in another company. Assumedly, because especially with this one, all three guys deserve to be signed to rosters. So juice, why don't you present the candidates of tonight's PJR for us? Yeah, I did more comedy-based characters. Um, Danhausen, our truth, Orange Cassidy, and I can actually just go with mine because I naturally this is one I didn't actually have to think of too much. Uh, push our truth. I think our truth is one of the greatest comedy characters of all time. I think this guy also be serious. I mean, he's an NWA World Champ. Uh, I remember his, even though it was short, his U.S. title reign recently. I mean, a few years ago, but still, like, recent enough. It was, like, three, four years ago. Um, I liked it. I remember they had the Fatal 4-Way. I think it was Ray, Samoa, and Andrade, and R-Truth. And they had a couple of those, and that was, they were really great matches. And R-Truth can go. And I know R-Truth has been more comedy-based and less m- serious matches because he's older and injury risk. I mean, his last serious match with Grayson Waller on NXT a few weeks ago. He got hurt. Um, and But he could still go, man. He can go. He's a, I, I think he's a great, I think of these three, he's, I think he's a guy I consider Hall of Famer, to be honest. And think, don't, don't take away. He's a 54 time 24 seven champion. I won't. I mean, 
uh, the 4711 I-95 South TV champ, European TV champion. Our truth is the man. Uh, he always just, every time he's on TV, he brings a smile. I instantly smile. I I just start laughing just looking at him. He doesn't even have to talk. And then he talks. He just makes me laugh more, and I'm just dying laughing. But also, like I said, he can go. This guy is an athlete. This guy is a, a true entertainer, a true sports entertainer. I think it's an easy push for me that Archer at the top. And you know how big I am on Danhausen. But for me, uh, as much as I love Danhausen, uh, our truth is a league is a league of his own when it comes to that type of character. He, I, I Mount Rushmore of the, the comedy based characters, I think. Uh, job, who am I jobbing? This is tough because I do like all three of them. Uh, I like Dan Housen and Orange Cassidy. I think I'm jobbing Dan Housen. Why? Uh, I think Orange Cassidy is a better in ring wrestler probably do more serious stuff with them. So why am I choosing Dan Housen's job? Because I think as a booker, I think I can do more creative storylines with Dan Housen than Orange Cassidy. And I think Dan Housen, yeah, he's that comedic side, but we also see that he can be that uh, ruthless kind of like character too. He's very nice, very evil. I can play in the nice. I can play in the evil. I think I have more creative freedom. freedom. I think he's more unpredictable than Orange Cassidy. I think his character's got a little more range. And... I think it's easy enough guy the job too, even even when he's more ruthless. Uh, release, I wouldn't feel bad about because Orange Cassidy's a unique character and a great wrestler. Anywhere he goes will succeed, so I wouldn't have to worry about it. And um, yeah, I think that was one of the easier ones I had to do, but I really want to present it because I just want to do more comedy-based characters because I like to laugh and they make me laugh. Yeah, I think that that's a really fair and and good PJR. I think it's funny. Like I I love the funny characters. All three of these guys got chops and I love every single one of them and love seeing them on my TV. In terms of the push, yeah, it's our truth. He is a man that has played so many characters from the little Jimmy stuff to his former work in NWA and all his other work earlier in the Attitude Era as K-Quick. Um Really just a phenomenal performer, phenomenal athlete. And for the fact that he's like in his 50s and he just looks better than like 90% of the roster, that's that's a sentiment to the man. And it's just tough to it's tough to compare Orange Cassidy and Dan Housen to him just because of the longevity truth has had and how many moments and great classic things that he's done throughout his career where like Orange Cassidy and Dan Housen are just starting to like get that little peak at those little moments in their career. Um, so definitely one of those comparisons that's a little tough, but I still don't think that I wouldn't choose our truth here. Orange Cassidy, I think I'm going to job, though. Um, I think that I just really would appreciate his talents in the mid card. I just don't think the Orange Cassidy gimmick's ever going to be a world champion, you know, like that's and that's why I think that it's OK to drop him here. I think his position that he's had in AEW is great exactly where the character should be and it's presented very well in AEW too i think AEW they should be commended for how they've handled the orange cassidy character um again you know he has the comedic chops he doesn't say much he is a phenomenal in-ring worker though i mean that's one thing you can't take away from him so that's why i feel like he can be that guy i know typically for me at least i like to put the job people as like the doorway to the main event kind of guy and i feel like orange cassidy if he gets one of those guys like ruthless or somebody that just really like pushes him to his edge they get a nice competitive match out of him they could get the w and they get moved over into the next upper echelon of my of my cards of my talent here and that means i'm releasing danhausen um danhausen just hasn't done that much honestly like in terms of orange cassidy and our truth like danhausen is just been there for a cup of coffee at this point you know it's it's tough for me to really be like yeah i think i'm gonna keep dan house in my company or even push dan house into my company just because i wasn't very familiar with his indie character i knew who he was i knew he collected teeth i knew that he was very nice or evil had good catchphrases but um and you know he's just funny talks funny all that stuff and it seems like right now we actually might be seeing a rebuild of dan housing seeing maybe that we might get more of the evil side of his character uh, I know kind of social media clips and tips and things like that have been like hinting at that. So we'll see where the character goes, but I think I will leave him to go on to green pastures and uh, you know, prove, Hey, 
I am more worth than what you've known of me so far. So you should have signed me. Fair enough. If most of your exposure to Danhausen is um AW, which he hasn't done that much. It's fair enough to say that. I can't really blame you. Um I think it's from the short ring honor work he had and just in these I always love him. And um I think it's just really creative, even more creative than Orange Cassidy character, to be honest. But Orange Cassidy can't really debate that in ring wise. It's better. Um, in ring, I mean, he just hung, forbidden door. He gave match of the night with Will Osprey, and it really painted me in the eyes that Orange Cassidy, if uh, even though the character itself, I agree, can't be a world champion character, I do think the man himself can. I think if he changed the character, because I, I think just the lazy guy getting the world champion and just really having a reign just doesn't make much sense. I, you can do it with the Atlantic or a mid title. It's not with the greatest prize in the business in your company, but that match proved to me. I mean, I knew like from his matches of pack and, and other great men, Jericho, that this guy can go with the best, but that match was pretty proved that he can't just, he, he doesn't just hold his own with the best. He can, he can bring out the best out of some top guys. Um, that match was a banger. May, may, a lot of people debate and say, oh, well, was it him bringing the best out of Osprey or Osprey? Because Osprey is known for banger after banger. Like maybe it's more so Osprey elevate him. I don't think so. I think I think it was both of them really elevate each other. I think they both had great, amazing spots that wouldn't have been done without they wouldn't have been able to do without both guys, both those specific guys, not just Osprey. So, yeah, I, th- I think he proved to me that he's world champion caliber, just not the character. I think that's fair enough. And if you guys have an opinion on this, PJR, please let us know on social media where we would love to hear if you think we're correct, you would do something different or whatever else you could possibly do. I thought mm. those are the only two. Options. Or or you can say that you'll release our truth and then you c- and then I'll tell you why you're wrong. And then everyone else in the world can tell you why you're wrong. And Juice, if people do do that, what is the account that you're going to be telling them from? Yeah, on Twitter, capital T, capital O, capital T, capital C, underscore, capital P, lowercase O, lowercase D, D. Instagram, T-O-T-C, underscore, P-O-D, all lowercase. Those are socials where you can tell me your wrong opinion of why you'd release our truth. I mean, if you release one of the other two, that's, that's fine. I don't, I don't care. I mean, everyone has their opinion, but if your opinion is you release our truth, you're wrong. <laughs> yes. And as we come crashing down to the map on this episode of top of the cage, I want to thank you all so much for tuning in. And if you are listening to us on Apple or Spotify and you do not leave us a five-star review, that means that a you Specifically, you, that person not leaving us that five-star review will not get five-star content, and that is just a fact. Fact. And again, thank you all so much for tuning in, and we will catch you next time.